Hi, my name's Lauren Farriker, and I am the host of the Wolf Life Podcast. If it's your first time here, we are a podcast that is dedicated to everything dog. Let's see what we have in store this week. Welcome back to the Wolf Life Show. Today, I'm so excited to share who our guest is. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting with Dan Shashner, and he is the Puppy Bowl referee. Oh my gosh, greatest job ever. You're hanging out with puppies, judging them on whether they get touchdowns, and calling fouls based off of roughness. Oh my God, team rough, team fluff. I just, I can't. I was so excited to catch up with Dan to talk about the puppy bowl as well as the dog bowl and everything that he is working on, both personally to drive adoption and the message of adoption, both personally as well as professionally. The other things that you should know about Dan is that he also hosts weekly trivia at Boris and Horton, which is a dog cafe in New York. And the week that I was chatting with him was right before Golden Girls dog trivia. Like, I just can't. It's too good. I'm without words. So without further ado, I'm so excited to start this interview with Dan. So excited to have him on the Wolf Life Show. because I'm just so excited because you have sure. legit the dream job. <laughs> thank you. I, I like it. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, um, it was amazing. Yeah, what do you want to know? I'll tell you whatever you want. Okay, perfect. Well, awesome. So sure. uh, how did you get into this? I, I think it's so exciting uh, to talk to the Puppy Bowl ref. You're such a celebrity in and of, <laughs> of yourself no. with, within the dog no, community. <laughs> Thank you. The dogs are the real celebrities. I'm just their, uh, their, their cheerleaders, so to speak. I, I got this job 10 years ago, believe it or not. I had been a host, still am a host, but had been a host then um, for standalone shows, uh, one-hour specials and the like for Animal Planet. Oh, cool. And then they, yeah, different shows. You can find them, um, just sort of like pet product shows and um, recap specials, things of that nature. I was also hosting a sports trivia show at the time for SNY, which is a local New York City uh, Mets sports channel, Mets baseball team okay. so channel, and so I was doing trivia hosting on one side and Animal Planet hosting on the other, and then this this job came along because their current referee uh, was an employee, like a producer, who was just, um. it was just the job had grown too big for somebody who had another real job. So Got they it. needed somebody to take it over and be a spokesperson and also, of course, be on the field, but the actual being on the field part for the show itself is, is nothing. You just, in other words, it's easy to stand on a field and blow a whistle and call fake touchdowns. Uh, the hard part is 
is the rest. The hard part is the the preparation for it, the segments that I also produce. I, I, I produce now for Puppy Bowl a variety of different segments uh, as when we travel around the world. Oh, cool. And then the three or four months afterwards where we promote the show until we air. The, re- that, the, the actual shooting itself is the walk in the park. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just become a big show. Yeah. Got it. So I, I guess tell us more about what that process looks like behind the scenes because I know that it must be competitive for rescue groups trying to get yeah. in. It's such a such a great point of visibility for adoption and just getting visibility for those puppies. You know, I listened to some interviews to prep for this and like hearing about the impact that it has on the rescues where they will actually receive thousands of calls as a result of just oh, yeah. one dog in the puppy bowl. So kind of tell us what's the, I guess you would say it's casting, but what does that process look like? Because I also know that you guys are working consciously to bring in, you know, dogs from Puerto Rico, dogs from Mexico. And, and what is that like? Because there's also so many logistics that would go into that as well. You're absolutely right. It's a great point about it being competitive. We don't talk about that enough because it's not the most pleasant thing, but you're right. Shelters do want that visibility, and we try to increase the amount of shelters we partner with every year. This year it was was like 90-something dogs from something like 40-something shelters. I I forget the exact numbers, but those are close. So think about nearly 50 shelters from around the world and that's, as you probably and your audience well knows, that's only a fraction of the groups, the rescue groups that are out there. Yep. So it's, yeah, but because they do experience this uptick, this is an interesting angle, we have to make sure that the shelters we do partner with can 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 work with that amount of increased traffic. Yeah. If it's a shelter that's really small, as you know, there are some rescue groups that are just a handful of well-meaning people. Yeah. And they and that's great, and we want to support them, and we'll support them as much as, I, as we can on digital platforms, or I'll do it weekly on my trivia nights. But for Animal Planet Puppy Bowl, if they do get put on the air, you know, immediately the name of the rescue is put up underneath the dog during Puppy Bowl. That that shelter, whoever they are. Will immediately you're going to have if 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 10 million people tune in to watch Puppy Bowl every year, yeah. then you know some some fraction of that strong fraction is going to be reaching out to that shelter. Well, if it's just a handful of people, they won't be able to handle that. And then unfortunately, you know, well-meaning people on the other side who are trying adopt trying to adopt yeah. won't get what they want. So we have to make sure that they're very well organized rescue groups that have the staff that can handle this type of uh, influx of uh, of, of, of queries. Completely. So uh, they all experience 10 to 20% uptick every single year, sometimes more, certainly on the day of Puppy wow. Bowl, which is Super Bowl Sunday and Puppy Bowl Sunday. <laughs> they, they have a tremendous uptick. Those dogs generally get adopted, no surprise here, right away. Yeah, I mean, of within course. minutes. Yeah. So unfortunately, or I should say fortunately, then there should be a network within that shelter of enough alternates, so to speak, <laughs> so that when people are saying, hey, I love that little boxer chihuahua mix that I saw on Puppy Bowl in, in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, his name's Billy Boy. Hey, I'd like to adopt him. The shelter should then be prepared to say, we don't have, you know, he got adopted right away, no surprise, but he comes from a litter of six puppies. Yeah. And he's got a brother and sister who need to be, a- so we need to make sure that that's all built in. 
before we partner with a shelter. So that's really the top criteria. Mm-hmm. As far as the dogs themselves and the casting that you talk about, they have to be between, you know, four to it, – it, it, we can start as early as four, but it's usually six to 12 weeks of age. Okay. And they have to be real puppies up for adoption yep. uh, from, you know, from hopefully from a litter, as they say, so we can uh, get their brothers and sisters adopted too. Got they it. have to be really cute. They have to not have any social behavior problems, which is very hard to tell, but we really can't tell until they're in their holding area just before we put them on the field. And yes, we have veterinarians and reps from the Humane Society and all types of animal handlers, pros around to make sure that these dogs are safe and can interact safely on the turf, which is a very small field. It's only about 12 by 20 feet. And once that is all determined, then off we go. As far as the casting, yes, we receive thousands, and I mean thousands of submissions every single summer. We're going to start that process now. We're, we're in July right now. We're going to begin the process in August of quote-unquote casting. And, the, you know, remember, for every dog, there's 10 other dogs that, you know, are probably in that shelter, yeah. especially with the groups we work with that need to be adopted. So we want to make sure that and, – and you've got to also factor in that, hey, let's say a dog – gets adopted between now and puppy bowl. Well, we're not going to say to the, to the new adopted family, hey, you can't take this dog home. He's got to be on TV. We're not, you know, our mission is not TV first. It's adoption yeah, first. Yeah, of course. So, right. So we have to hand, handle those practical possibilities, which, you know, somebody comes in, falls in love with the dog, wants to take him home. We're not going to stop that. But let's hope that that dog has some siblings that are equally cute yeah. and awesome and can be on puppy bowl too. So those are the some of the just a peek at some of the logistics that we deal with. Then there's the final thing that I'll shut up for a minute is the <laughs> the traveling. You know we have a, we have segments throughout every puppy ball called Pup Close and Personal. They're usually four segments, about three to four minutes long, sometimes a little longer, where we travel to different locations and get to know shelters up close and personal. And every year for the last three years, I've produced and done my own segment. Last year I did go to Puerto Rico to Dead Dog Beach to help rescue some of the dogs at the Sato Project. Yeah. Uh, this year we have something even more exciting in the works, which uh, just stay tuned. It's, it's being worked on, but it does involve international travel. So we're, we're, okay. we're not that Puerto Rico was international. I want to be clear that isn't in the United States. Yeah. But this year we're, we're looking to expand even further. Got so it's it. pretty exciting. Yeah, a lot going on. That's awesome. I'm I'm sending you telepathic vibes, which I hope are where you're gonna go, which would be international, but we won't say it. So I will okay. I will stay tuned. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I love it. Uh, well, awesome. So, I mean, it has to be absolutely incredible that you have a hundred percent adoption rate. And what has that felt like? Because I mean, you're also I would say what is so fun about Puppy Bowl is that it is adoption. Like, it is really putting a fun face on adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, like, how has that felt to be a leader in that? And I, the impact of that, and I know you guys added Dog Bowl, I was curious mm-hmm. if the rate of adoption was the same for Dog Bowl as it was for Puppy Bowl. It is. I don't have the hard on Dog Bowl because I, I am involved with Dog Bowl very much, and I do referee that show as well. Uh, as far as the actual uptick in numbers, I don't know other than to say 
the shelters that we work with all do report an increase as well, same as Poppy Bowl. I don't know if it's as dramatic Got it. because I don't know if enough people tune in to Dog Bowl the same way they do Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl has been a 15-year juggernaut yeah. for the network and has really brought in the ratings. Dog Bowl is still finding its audience. It's doing great, and it's up for its third or fourth year now, but it's still you know, getting its little foothold and finding its audience and shedding a, a uh, showcasing uh, seniors in need of adoption, which is a very important thing. Completely. You know, it's very easy for for a three-month-old, you know, poodle mix to get adopted, yeah. especially if they're cute, but much harder for a nine-year-old poodle mix who is could, by the way, be an incredible addition to somebody's home, yeah. is languishing in a shelter because they're not a puppy. Completely. So we're trying to get the guys adop- adopted too, yeah. 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 So I don't know. I do know that the numbers do increase, though, at Dog Bowl. And to answer your earlier point, it's it's um the impact that we see with adoption is dramatic. Not only have people heard about they're now getting to know our shelters that we work with. Uh, here in New York City, I work with a variety, Muddy Paws Rescue, uh, Social Tees Rescue, Sado Project, yep. uh, that's just Hearts and Bones Rescue. Those are just some, but there's some incredible, really, uh, really. When I say when I say they're pros, I mean they're pros at uh, communicating because right now with social media, more than when we started 15 years ago, of course, the social media is a is sort of a silent partner in all of this. Completely, they, they help us, yeah, get the dogs out. And I think that is people ask, well, why? Wh-? It's not just the puppy bowl alone. It's the advent of social media and the impact of it that has allowed us to uh, stretch out even further and communicate further. And I think that's a big reason why more and more people are adopting dogs now than ever before. Yeah. Most important stat is that when we started Puppy Bowl 15 years ago, uh, between three three and four million dogs and cats were euthanized every single year. That number has now been cut in half, according to the ASPCA. Oh, wow. You can look up the exact numbers, yeah. but it's really a, a dramatic. You know, look at, like, euthanasia numbers between, and it's a sad topic, but it is a real topic. It's why we do what we do. Yeah, and it, they've, they've been cut in half. It's incredible. So now somewhere, I think it's like 1.5, 1.7 million, which is still a number we're trying to get down. Yeah. But when you look at, you know, the difference here, it's really remarkable. 70 to 80 million people in this country have, have a pet and um, have a dog, excuse me. And it's it, it, that number only grows. It's not going down. No. So I think, and the last part about it is, you know, when people own dogs, it makes them, I don't know, I say dogs always make us more human. They, they help us. Uh, socialize in some ways. They connect us more as a community. Yeah, uh, they they're good for your health. Yeah, yeah, very much so, mental and physical. So I, I, I think in general, as society sort of improves itself, uh, you see, it's no surprise that dogs are, are along for the ride. More yeah. and more of them, anyway. Completely. So, um, not to bring up another rescue show, but I was just kind of curious on this. Um, I mm-hmm. know that your show and the American Dog Rescue Show all had better ratings than like the Westminster dog show and both severely promote adoption. So how does that feel to be really part of the catalyst that is changing the way that people are perceiving and wanting to engage with content? That's interesting. I didn't know that. I watch them all, you know, anything dog related, (laughs) pet related. I don't care if they're a competitor or I just, I'm a, I'm a fan. So I'll just watch Westminster just like anybody else and enjoy it. And any, any rescue show, to be honest, um, 
there there's there's no uh, limit in my mind to the amount of dog rescue and cat rescue shows that are out there or anything that highlights that type of animal adoption. Completely. So as as far as yeah, so as far as the actual uh, what was the question about numbers? Yeah, I guess about- how does it feel that um that stat and I can I can send that to you, but uh, it's definitely something that I've heard that That's all interesting. Of, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just a testament. Yeah, because look, I, I'm in addition to being part of these this, I'm also just a fan and I and a dog lover. So I think I think that's always sort of like guaranteed eyeballs on TV when you've got something that has that much of an impact and is that adorable. Here's the thing, you're watching adorable puppies on TV, which that's how Puppy Bowl started 15 years ago. Someone just said, there's no way we can compete with the Super Bowl. No way. So screw it. Let's just take a camera and train it on a bunch of puppies and just let it sit there and see what happens because who cares? It'll cost nothing to produce, right? <laughs> and, and, hey, we're, we're going to lose in the ratings anyway. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, people did tune in. And that, that U-log, they call it the U-log, which is a reference, of course, to this. Um, you may not be familiar with it. Because uh, you're in Michigan? Where are you? Um, uh, so I'm originally from Seattle, but I live in L.A. now. Seattle. Yeah. L.A., L.A., awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> I love L.A. I love the West Coast. No, I do, I do. I go there frequently. But I um, great rescues out there, too, of course. Yes. And, um, yes, uh, but um, Paul Works is one of my favorite out in L.A. They're amazing, and yep. they help us a lot with puppy bowl. Yeah. So uh, what was I saying? Oh, um, I already lost my train of thought. Uh, I don't know. It was um, <laughs> probably Westminster, shelters, traveling. I don't know. It, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. <laughs> well, I, I just think it's it's how much – I think the perception is definitely changing, and I agree with you on social media and the impact that that has really had with rescue. So I've been asking a couple questions of people because a part of my show, The Wolf Life, is – to talk about promoting adopt don't shop and just how mm-hmm. easy it is and how it may at least for people that have never done it it may seem intimidating because you don't know the background there are all of these reasons that someone could be intimidated but it's much easier than you might think and there's so many mm-hmm. pros in terms of what you're getting with that adoption in terms of they've been vetted by a veterinarian and all of those things that you would not get if you bought a dog. Um, And so that's part of what we talk about. And so I have two questions I'm asking everyone of that. And so Mm -hmm. this may seem like a digression, but if you would indulge, um, how do you feel about the Sarah McLaughlin ASPCA, I don't know if those are the ASPCA or the Humane yeah. Society ads. Do you think that that helps the cause of rescue, or do you think that the yeah. pup, puppy bowl and kind of social media and showing stories is more impactful to rescue? I'd be very curious on your thoughts. Great question. I, I think that they are well-meaning ads. Yes, and I know that they buy that ad time, and they're they need our help, and ASPCA, Humane Society, all these amazing nonprofits, and all the great work they do. I feel that the approach is somewhat dated, and I feel that it can be more of a downer yeah. than it can be an uplifter. And I think it's a mix of the music. I don't think I think Sarah McLaughlin's 
amazing and and would be an incredible i just think that the tone and the style um is a bit from last decade and needs uh, a retune a reboot so to speak um it should be upbeat music because the idea is that yeah it's sad where these dogs are but usually the sadness isn't so we have these like um these social media monitors, of course, with, with, with Puppy Bowl, and the, uh, the biggest increase in, um, especially on Twitter, uh, when people are live, live streaming or live watching it, the, the part that gets people the most in Puppy Bowl is the very, very, I mean, they watch the whole thing, but yeah. the two-hour show, the last three minutes is the moment where these dogs, they've just started inserting this in the last couple of years, and it's a real hit. The show ends, they actually show the lights uh, being turned off, the cameramen wrapping up, wrapping up their tables, and then they have the newly. And some of these dogs are adopted right on, and they're either adopted by like yeah. set members or volunteers or somebody. Anywho, they have these people come right up to the set. Again, the lights are off. We're shutting down, and they pick up the dog and they put them around. They kind of like hold them up, and they wrap them around their shoulder or whatever. And it's just a simple shot of these uh, these newly adopted families walking out of the set. Really simple shot, yeah. some uplifting music, and it's my personal favorite, and the feedback we're getting is that most people's favorite part of the show. Well, that's the stuff that I think if you're going to appeal to a mass market in TV commercial or any other large format, I think you've got to show the pluses more than the minuses. I we're aware of the minuses. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, we're aware of that. We want to see the happy family. We want to we we know the sad part of it, and I'm not saying that that's not important. There are some very uh, disreputable puppy mills out there, for example. A hundred percent. There have been yeah. abuse, you know, abuse of dogs. Of course, of course, all of this is real, and it should be noted. But it's, these Sarah McLaughlin commercials are usually, I think, sixty to ninety seconds long. They're not your typical commercial. They're longer than normal. Yeah. They feel longer anyway. So let's not devote, you know, the first thirty seconds to the. Let's just say let's state it in the beginning and let's move on to almost like testimonials of happy new families or let's get to know the dog but let's let's get to know their journey yeah uh, one of the things i did with my with any of my rescue road trips when i take dogs who are landing at the airport and bring them somewhere uh whether it's a few hundred miles or a couple of dozen miles is it's about the journey it's about the place where they were to the place that they ended up yeah and that to me is the most inspiring thing so that would be my two cents not that anyone's asking me for my advice but that's that's what i would do yeah no i completely agree <laughs> I, I completely agree i think dogs are inherently so resilient um and yeah. We know even dogs in the worst condition, like Michael Vick's dog fighting dogs, yeah. a lot yeah. went to and ended up having adopting forever homes where they were the best family pets. And I think that that story needs to be told about they can come from a horrible situation and end up in the best situation. And that should be the story of rescue instead of just showing the horrific conditions which are important and people need to look at but it can't it cannot not have the transformation story in my opinion completely agree i also just remembered finally what i was trying to say before about the u log and the reason why i brought up the west coast oh in yes particular. yeah there's a th this is this is related so it's not it's not really off topic i promise there is a um there's an old tradition in the New York 
City tri-state area. And again, it might be countrywide. I don't know. But there's a local channel here that every Christmas time, Christmas Day, the channel knows it's like WPIX 11. They know no one's watching TV on Christmas Day. So they just, they just throw up, they take a camera, and they put it on a fireplace on a, on a Yule log that's burning in the fire. And they just leave the camera there all day long for 24 hours. Okay. And people flip it on their TV so it looks like they have a fireplace on their TV, right? So. So they called it the U-log, or the U-log phenomenon, which, again, was thrown up because they knew nobody was watching, but people actually tune in because they think it's very comforting to have a, <laughs> a big fire on their television at Christmas time that's playing Christmas music. Well, the puppy bowl began out of the same spirit, which is these dogs, they're going to sell themselves, so yeah. to speak. Okay, sell is a bad choice of words here. These dogs are going to promote themselves. <laughs> yeah, totally. You don't need... Right, terrible choice of words. These <laughs> dogs, they don't need bells and whistles. We don't even need their backstories. You just take a camera, you put it on some cute dogs, and yeah. you get the word out. You tell people how to rescue them or where, you know, give us the URL of the web, of the website that they're connected to, and boom, you know, your job is done. So that's, that's the sort of – in other words, it doesn't have to be so complicated. Yeah. And the same thing goes to the commercials. They don't have to be overthought. Just keep us – my gosh, you know, it's like humans are very simple when it comes to this stuff. Dogs are a very primal thing because, as I said, they do make us more human. And they bring out the paternal instincts, the maternal instincts, the caregiver instincts. Um, they are nostalgic if we have dogs, if we had dogs growing up. They, they bring out so many very basic primal emotions that all we need to do is see them, learn how to help them if we want, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope that kind of ties it all back to what we were no, completely. And I would say that I, I also think as a puppy, you don't have to tell that backstory to the extent that you might have to with the dog bowl where you would want to kind of show yep. people what they are not investing in, but like tell that story that would not tear at the heartstrings in in the Sarah McLaughlin way, but I think in the empowering, inspirational, this is why. Such a great point. Yeah. You're so right, and Dog Bowl is – you're so right. Dog Bowl has had that challenge every year, which is, wow, these dogs that are 10, 9, 8, 12 years old, they've got a rich history. Yeah. And in that case, you know, we need to sort of – we need to get that message out a little clearer. So, yes. But again, with puppies, eh, probably not so much, right? Puppies are a little bit a little bit simpler when it comes to it. Hey, man, I'd like to I'd like to expand to, you know, we've got senior dogs, we've got puppies, we've got special needs dogs, which we do showcase. Yep. But that's an entire category that I think would deserve its own show. You know how many dogs I've seen in wheelchairs that have paralyzed legs. Man, they should be a special Olympics for dogs that 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 Animal Planet sponsors. Okay, and it need not be. It could just simply be races. It need not be football or some sort of fake organized game. Yeah, it could just be them racing. You know. So yeah, I, I feel like there's even room to grow. Totally. Too. Yeah. Uh, please make that show. Actually, that would be yeah. absolutely yeah, incredible. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I mean, it must be so incredible that I feel like one job has just changed. I don't know if this is uh, true, but this puppy bull has m a rough job must have changed your life in a lot of ways. How has that felt to really be able to impact? I mean, you're changing the face of adoption. Yeah. You're helping dogs find forever homes. 
And I would say you're really a public figure now in terms of people recognizing you as the Puppy Bowl ref. So that must be really cool. It's, it's strange. I don't get recognized really unless I'm literally wearing the stripes. Okay, good. And I think that people just don't <laughs> – they just don't put two and two together on it, and that's fine. I like the anonymity. I, you're right. If I do happen to – because for a lot of my press appointments, I do have to wear the stripes. Yeah. And when I do that, yes, you're right. People, people see it right away. I love it, obviously, and it has changed my life for the better. The most important thing it's done is that uh, I never thought I could have a career that my kids could be involved with. I have two young boys, okay. and I never just whatever you know. You, dad goes to work, and you know, kids do their own thing, and that's it. It's rare that those two worlds combine, but they are actually an active, both active members of the rescue community here in New York. They've done shoots with me for Puppy Bowl or for Animal Planet Digital. Oh, wow. They've, uh, done, they've certainly helped find multiple fundraisers. They've helped. and But they don't. They know they're not just doing it because dad's on a show or dad's hosting something. They know that they're actually volunteering for these shelters, right? Yeah. They're getting the message out. They, you know, the older one's got social media now, too. So he's getting his word <laughs> out on any adoptable puppies that he sees. And that's the most satisfying part about it all. It really is like a family, uh, uh, all in hands, you know, all hands on deck uh, type of effort, and we love it that way. Every year we gather together. Uh, they actually, I get to see advanced screenings of Puppy Bowl before we air because it's being edited for four months, but yeah. the kids don't. So when we do it, we have a big, you know, viewing party, and um, that's that's sort of like the most, I guess, the culmination and the most satisfying part of it. But year-round, it, it, it's rare to have a job. I knew I'd worked in television my whole life, or I should say in media, yeah. but I never thought I would be able to do that. And I knew I'd volunteer, too. And I volunteer in many other... I mean, puppies are one... Dog race is one thing. I also I coach Little League. I volunteer at my kids' school. I, I'm very involved with the community. I knew that volunteerism would be part of it. I just didn't realize that in the dog rescue world, it would be able to be blended so beautifully and seamlessly. Totally. And have it never feel like work so that's that's I guess been the best the best part of it I mean that's incredible and I I also think to your point the younger generation in their opinions and views of dog adoption it's pretty incredible because I hear you know so many stories of young kids that are you know maybe finding entrepreneurship and they're donating money to animal shelters and those kind of things I'm just so excited for that yeah. future generation because I think that they're so much more sustainably minded. And I, I really yeah. am excited for the turning point in terms of what impact they will have in terms of rescue because I think that it's so incredible to think that the Puppy Bowl and Animal Planet, on its surface, it's cute. You're talking about animals, but it is really f also forming that future generation. I would, I would think. Yeah, I totally agree. There is, there is more of a. It's more inherent now. Sustainability, uh, the ability uh, to. Again, I keep going back to social media because these kids, all kids now, use it as part of their language. Now. Yeah. It's not even just, you know, it's it's. For us, I guess I'm older. It's more of a tool of expression. For them, it is the expression in some cases, and uh, they—it's just part of their DNA. So I think the the again, anytime you bring the world closer, or any tool that you use to bring the world closer, which in this case is social, yeah. it, I think it does make us more aware. It does make us, uh, it, 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 you know, it gives us a 
what's the word? Enlightened is is really pretentious way of saying it, but just an awareness of a, of a you know our our greater purpose in the world. And you're right to be able to raise kids in that kind of environment is pretty satisfying. I I, I think that um, again I got to go back to it. It's rare that we have jobs that we can make our impact and entertain the world and then have our kids be proud of us and. You're right. Yeah. It is it is a dream job in that regard. And, of course, you know, playing with adorable puppies. I mean, in my mind, <laughs> if I didn't have this job, I'd still be playing with adorable puppies. Like, I'd still find a local dog cafe and hang out there, and I'd still foster dog. I'd still be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it's just nice. It's nice now that there's, um, yeah, yeah, there's more of, a, of an awareness. Completely. Countrywide about it. Completely. Hi there. I wanted to take a quick break that is provided by our sponsor, Neptune & Co. Neptune & Co. is an incredible company that their primary focus is giving back. They have combined design and are creators of incredibly attractive, fashionable, and modern dog leashes, bandanas, and collars that don't look like they are from the 90s. I personally have the pastel pooch from Pixie, and I get people stopping me all the time to ask me where I got their leash. Past their incredible designs, one of the things that I love the most about Neptune & Co. is their desire to give back. Think of them as a Tom's for Dog Leashes, where with every purchase, you're actually giving back to rescues. So every month, they are picking a different rescue, and they're actually donating their product to rescue dogs and to the organizations to help them style the dogs and help and support in their adoption as well, as well as making monetary donations. I'm so excited uh, for them. I think it's such a great business, and I'm so excited to have them as a partner of the Wolf Life Show. Check them out at neptuneandco.com and on Instagram at neptuneandco. Add the code the Wolf Life when you're checking out from Neptune and Co. and you're gonna get twenty percent off your purchase of Neptune and Co. Enjoy your adorable bandanas, leashes, and thank you for giving back to dogs in need. A couple more questions. So if you, as a rescue advocate, could tell someone why they shouldn't buy a doodle or they shouldn't buy a Frenchie and why they should, because also you can adopt those animals. Um, but mm -hmm. if you could talk to them directly and just say to them why they should consider adoption and maybe why they shouldn't just go to the breeder. Yeah. I know people have a lot of choices when it comes to a new dog, and I know that there's an emotional tie-in anytime you're thinking about adding a dog to your family or a cat. I think that before you look, there's the practical matter first of thousands of dollars that you're going to spend. Yeah. So let's let's put that out there first. If if before you pl plunk down that money, 
from a breeder or a pet shop that you may not know the background of or have done full research on, before you do that, I encourage everybody to just simply, no commitment, just walk into your local shelter or connect with your local shelter online. Yeah. It could be anybody. Just just find something that's literally in your neighborhood. Start where you are first mm-hmm. before you spread out because chances are that breeder that you've connected with is not in your backyard. But I bet you a rescue group is or I bet <laughs> you somebody who is trying to do some impact in the animal world is yeah. closer to you. So I would look there first. In other words, look at home first and see what's around you. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to people around you. And then start with any, any rescue group that you might know. And once you do that, see what they have. Learn their story. Learn their mission. Find out what they're about. Find out what they're trying to do. If that vibes with you, great. And if not, try another one. But go in there first. Walk in there first is even better. And get to know some of these dogs firsthand. Shelters now are not the way they used to be. They're not just dogs in cages barking, you know, aimlessly for hours and hours. Now you can, most of them are very humane in the sense, and they're very progressive in the sense that they have big play areas. They let you take the dogs out on long walks. Some of them let you take the dogs home for a day. They really do and let you, you know, test drive is the wrong (laughs) word, but, you know, try, but it's very similar in other words, try and get to know the dogs because they realize it's a big impact, it's a big change in your life, and they want to make it um, as want you to be as informed as possible. Yeah. What I'm saying is that the rescue world, the shelter world, is not how it used to be. It's much more progressive. It's much more inclusive of all breeds. Uh, the little known fact is that if you're looking for a pure breed or a pure breed mix, so to speak, like a classic mix, like you said, a doodle, over 50% of the dogs in shelters are pure breed or pure breed mixes of that type. Yeah. They're not as quote unquote mutt as, as you might think where it's all, you know, indistinguishable mixes that nobody knows where they came from. And by the way, and the last thing I would say on this, cause I could talk about this for hours <laughs> is that again, put the money aside for a minute, put the humane part of it aside for a minute, put the impact on the community, put the, the good you're going to do for your, your local. If, you are going to a breeder because you think that your dog will be healthier or you think it'll just be a quote-unquote pure, uh, better quality breed, okay? Yeah. Do the research because any research will show you that mixed breeds, and I mean the real mixes, the ones that you send to, um, you know, you send to the DNA and, yeah. and they come embark in those places and you send them back and they say, oh, your dog is 10% uh, boxer and 20% Cavalier King Spaniel and 30% Chihuahua, like those, and I've had plenty of those. You will find that they are the healthiest dogs out there. They're the most robust. Why? Because their DNA, their immune system has been built up so much by these mixes. They've, they've got to be strong to survive. Yeah. And if often it's the pure breeds that you've gotten from a breeder, and again, you don't know if they're reputable or not, and the federal government doesn't do enough to regulate them, unfortunately, they are often the ones that are more susceptible to health costs, yeah. health problems, and costs as well, which will be incurred. Totally. So I would just, I would, I hope that that's enough of a, of a, of a starter. But I can, I can give you more. <laughs> no. I, can, I can always give you more reasons to, yeah. yeah I, to I completely agree. I mean, my uh, border collie lab, she's turning thirteen in almost a month, and I just, she is, she's really going strong and shows no signs of letting up. Obviously, she's got a lot of George Clooney salt and pepper going on, but you couldn't tell by the personality, and I I do believe everything that you're saying uh, in terms of that. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it continues to be shown. It really, really does. And and I, again, I can, yes, I can give you the facts or I can speak sort of just my own personal experience, like you just gave me your personal story. There are neighbors of mine that have got these dogs, that have gotten them from a breeders, and they all tell me the same thing. I hear this one a lot, which is, oh, I did rescue him. I rescued him from a breeder. I hear that a lot. Yeah. It's an interesting twist. But I think, I actually appreciate that sentiment, even though it's a bit misguided. I appreciate it because it means that even the people that have gotten there and bought their dogs, they're aware that that's probably not the ideal choice. In other words, they might have some regret. And again, 10, 20 years ago, people would buy dogs like and not think twice about it. Yeah. Now I think that even if they're buying dogs, at least there's an awareness that, hey, you had other options. And, hey, people might not look on this as the best option for you. That's all. Yeah. You know, no one's being judgmental. There are plenty of reputable breeders, I'm sure. We'll always need our show dogs that go to Westminster. You know, we'll always need those dogs. That's great. We, in other words, we need to see the breed standard, right? That's important to see. Yeah, I get it. completely. But um, – like you, like I just said, you know, when people say things like, "Well, I rescued him from a from a from a breeder," you know, you didn't burst into the into the <laughs> into the breeder's <laughs> kennel and and rip this dog from the shelter, you know, from, rather from the uh, from the kennel and say, "I've got you rescued, buddy." No, you bought him. You paid thousands of dollars. But again, you you are aware that maybe it wasn't a choice most people would agree with. So I appreciate that. I think I think we're getting the message out there. Slow but sure. Completely. It is a pet peeve of mine. But I also think that if you have a designer dog, you can foster, you can donate, you can share. There's so much that you could do to help rescue Great dogs point. also. Um, I think that, that is such a good point. the share button is such a powerful tool to be able to get the word out to impact even past just I, yourself. Yeah, I posted this once, and it was, if you can't adopt, it was like a, a tiered thing, right? It was the top tier. I was like, if you can't adopt, then foster. If you can't foster, then volunteer. If you can't volunteer, then, like you said, share and get the word out. Uh, or donate was in there. But there's like five different things you can do. Yeah. And some of them involve very little impact in your day. You know, just click and share or <laughs> click and donate. Yep. Some are more involved. You can volunteer at, at adoption events, et cetera. Yeah. And then like you said, if you've got money and time to take care of a designer dog, a breeder dog, you've probably got time to welcome a foster into your life as well. I agree. Yeah, I agree. completely. So on the topic of foster, uh, so there is a term within rescue that is foster failure. I'm curious because yeah. I've been asking people whether they think that's a good term. No, I don't, because it's confusing. Well, I think if we were to get it into the lexicon more prominently, in other words, I don't think it has taken hold. It's something that within this sort of world we recognize what it means as something positive. But anytime you attach the word failure to something, to the uninitiated, it's going to have some – it's going to be you know, met with some quizzical looks. Yeah. Um, I think – Foster failure, I, they probably should. We probably should devise another word to do it, or, you know, another word, another term. Uh, I am a foster failure. My One of our fosters was adopted and lives up in Massachusetts in our, one of our, in, our, uh, in our home with relatives. I live in Manhattan now, but we have a home in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So we very, very, very much know what foster failure is. We live through it ourselves. I... It's got to be. You're right. I think the term could probably use a reboot as well. Yeah. Uh, because it is a positive thing. Yeah. I think 
I mean, I asked my mom, who has a um, rare breed designer dog, what she thought foster failure, because it couldn't be a more different world that she lives in versus me. And she was like, oh, so that means that the dog can't be rescued. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting that you would have that perception just based off of that, that the dog just has to live in the shelter because it can't be in a foster. And I was, I, I find it interesting. And so I've been asking people that question. Yeah. I just think there's just, uh, yeah, good point. Good point. That's interesting what your mom said. I think that it's, and it, like it should get out there more so that it, it, in the pop culture, you know, lexicon, so we're aware that it's a positive thing, but I don't think people want to say it. In other words, yeah, we're foster failure, but you've got to, it's funny, when you say foster failure, you've got to immediately explain what it is. Yeah. You know, you can't just say, well, yeah, we're a foster failure, which means <laughs> what did you fail at being a foster dad? In other words, you, you sucked so bad that they didn't allow you to ever foster again. Because it does kind of have that connotation. So this is not a video way. I think like foster rescue story or foster um, – you know what term I use as a hashtag sometimes, and it, and it seems to trend pretty well, is foster to forever. It's corny, but oh, that's and, and it probably would only work. It would only – right, it's just that. It's just cute. It's not going to change the world. But foster to forever is, is a nice way to say that, you know, we went from here to here, which is all you're saying. Yeah. You know, um, Failure, yeah, they. I understand they put failure there because it's alliteration, two F words, and they try to try to make it sound cute. But there's got to be another. If you're gonna do two F words, I I would do foster to forever, <laughs> or forever foster. Maybe that's what it is. Ooh. Like I'm an I'm a perma foster or <laughs> something like that. But just the connotation that no 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 this is this is this is for real. This is long term. Yeah, you you were <laughs> yeah. so loved as a puppy that you couldn't leave this house. I mean, it, it's a right. it's a positive thing. <laughs> it's. There should yeah. be no F yeah. word of failure in it. I, I yeah. definitely I think. think. We, I think we switched it to forever. If I had to, if I had to you know, right now, if you're like, okay, pick the new word, I would say it'd have to be forever, foster to forever or forever foster. I like um, it. And I know many people like that or people that have, you know, but there's other, there's like shades of gray within there too. There's long-term fosters too. Yeah. You know, we have some difficult, last year we had a very difficult case of abuse, this little Shih Tzu mix that really just, I'd never, I, to be honest, I'm not a vet. I'm not an animal behaviorist. I was out of my depth as to how to um, how to train her, how to make her trust humans again. And it was a long-term foster. Oh, wow. And um, could have been forever. But then we found somebody who was willing to take them on even longer term because it was such a difficult case. Point being that, you know, because when you, you know, fostering could be a day. It could be uh, a year. Yeah. You know, it could be this this one woman that we, another dog that we drove out to uh, had come in from Puerto Rico. But last year, last summer, she had like seven fosters in her house. She's like, and she had a huge ranch out in New Jersey. And oh, she's wow. like, listen, you know, they'll get adopted whenever they're adopted. You know, for, for right now, I just try to give them a good home. There's people like that, right? And what yeah. do you call them? She didn't adopt all seven dogs. She's just like a, a permanent foster mom. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's a wonderful group. You know the whole point with fostering, which is you're saving two lives, not one. Yeah. Because you're making room in the shelter for a new one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a great, and it's a great, it's a great option for busy people, too. I have a lot of people here in New York City. I'm sure you're in L.A. There's a lot of people that are very busy with their careers or traveling, and they don't have the time or the ability or the energy or the money to take care of a dog full time. Um, so the best way to still be involved is say foster a dog for, you know, a lot. And they think that they're locked into something. No, listen, 
most of these foster communities are just that. They're communities. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you've got a dog and you've got to go on a trip for a week, there's somebody in that community, in that Facebook group or whatever you belong to, that will help you and take that dog on for a little while too. Totally. Um, like I say, dogs make us more humans. Really <laughs> I, I agree, and I think it expands your network and – it just, Huge. yeah, it's yeah. the power of dog on social media past just the Insta famous dogs. I think that there should be case studies written about Instagram and dog rescue because I, I it's so interesting. I come from an advertising tech background and I, I just, it blows me away every single day. It's incredible. You know, there's two things I see. Well, I'll speak for myself, but also the people around me. Dogs for sure on Instagram, and food still trends, you know, strongly. You know, but food, you know, you got delicious uh, acai bowl that you've had for breakfast. I'm gonna probably look at that. You may, you get some delicious pasta at some new fancy Italian restaurant. I'm gonna look at that, and I think in in there are there are only a couple of select travel as well, but those two things tend to still be sort of perennial favorites. No matter what, I'm always going to look at a cute picture of the rescue dog. And I'm not just speaking for myself. I think most people will stop and pause. And the way that I know that that's true is that even these, like, celebrities that we follow yeah. on social, even they find ways to put dogs into their, you know, into their day-to-day. -day. They know that that has an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the same way that the same way food, too. You look at them, they put it. So it's, it's, I don't know what the connection is there between the two. I think they're both just eye candy in some ways. They both make us feel good. Food makes us feel good in a more primal way. <laughs> but you know what? Dogs are primal too. So, so it's all, I don't know. I, I'm, again, maybe some psychologists can do a study one day after they do your first Instagram study. They can do a study on that connection too. But very interesting. Perfect. Which means that Popeye the rescue dog who goes around L.A. restaurants eating food He's going to just take over the world. So at least oh, I know yeah. where I've it's going. <laughs> Wait, who's that? What's his name? Uh, Popeye. I don't know if you follow him, but he is incredible. <laughs> he is the probably oh. he looks part Ewok. If you oh, amazing. And he has like one ear that kind of goes above, but he's a rescue dog. He has hundreds of thousands of followers, but he's always got just a plate of delicious food right in front of him. It's so cute. I highly recommend their Instagram. <laughs> Is it, you say Popeye like Popeye the Sailor yes, Man? Yes, Popeye. But okay, yeah. I'm getting a, I'm getting official Popeye. I wonder what other I'm looking now. I wonder what other um, keywords I should put in. Popeye um, dog. Me... Oh, Popeye the foodie got him. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> Former LA stray pup. Yeah, mixed breed who travels and dines. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's my new favorite. He's cute. He's like a little teddy bear. Yeah. He's, he's like, adorable. Yeah, he's so cute. And I love that he's a rescue, too. And I just think if, to your point, yeah. if food and dogs, that dog has it where it counts in terms of primal needs. Oh, man, you're right. You're right. This is it. Gold right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is the Sato Project. I think it's so important, and yep. I don't think that a lot of people are as aware um, of – Dog Beach and all of that. Sure. Yes. Uh, okay. I'll I'll tell you about Sato. They they have been a partner of Animal Planet for many many years before I I think even I came on. And but that's all they were. That you know they were a partner. And they've been growing as same as Puppy Bowl has grown. They've grown from just a couple of people, well-meaning people who saw a need in Puerto Rico 
to help these dogs and and that need has um, well I should say the awareness and the support has grown exponentially over the years yeah so there's a place in Puerto Rico sadly called Dead Dog Beach the official name is Playa Lucia okay and it's on the eastern part of the island um, it, it is culturally in many Latin American South American Central American countries there is a culture where it is okay, it, part of it is due to the climate. Yep. It happens in LA too, but in, in, in anywhere where there's a warm climate that doesn't get ex- exceptionally cold, having stray dogs, again, Latin American culture, is not is not uncommon, or rather seeing them just kind of hanging out on the street is not uncommon. Uh, further, in, in Puerto Rico, uh, really anywhere where there's poverty, there is an accepted practice too of dumping your dog yeah if you've got a litter you know spaying neutering is not that's the next initiative but these dogs are not spaying neutered so if you've got a dog and the dog gets pregnant has a litter you're not keeping that litter you're not trying to sell that litter you're not trying to get that litter rescued you are taking that litter sometimes including the mom and in they are desperate people for sure yeah but to get but they just drive them to this beach and they let them go and they actually there's no guilt they think they're doing fine because they see this dog full of rather this beach full of stray dogs and they think oh it's a dog paradise you know they'll oh. look at all these dogs hanging out they can survive here it's a beautiful beach there's uh, water there's fresh water over here from this stream and they can get food from god knows where but they'll get food and this is perfectly humane Obviously, they're wrong because these dogs are malnourished and they're and they're injured and they've got all sorts of, uh, you know, heartworm and other issues. So uh, this continued and continued, and they started bringing dogs from uh, Puerto Rico to the United States because the person Chrissy Beckles is in charge of it and was located in, in New York. Started flying dogs up on her own, and then got donors to donate planes over time, and uh, it grew and grew. The the real tipping point was Hurricane Maria two years ago, which was the big tropical yeah. you know hurricane that came across and devastated the island. They were without power for weeks and weeks, in some cities months and months. And the people that were already poor in many cases and desperate became even more so. They uh, the increase Dead Dog Beach, uh, it, the beach itself grew. In other words, oh, wow. that beach, the, the expanse of that beach grew uh, miles and miles in every direction. And people were dumping dogs, not just on Dead Dog Beach, which was expanding, but on any beach they could find. Because why? Because they were they were without power, without food, without yeah. resources. The hurricane had devastated them, and they couldn't take care of a dog. And, wow, the dog just got pregnant? No way I can take, you know. So the pro, the, the problem, as I was saying earlier, grew exponentially but so did the support yeah and um i've been their spokesperson ambassador for many years now i fostered many dogs from them i've hosted their fundraisers <laughs> i've gotten the word out as much as i can i like them because um i have a latin american background my parents are from argentina and uruguay which i know is not puerto rico but the point is Spanish-speaking culture is something that is, you know, it strikes a chord in me. Um, I've been to Puerto Rico many times. I do love the island. I am very saddened with what's happened there. I also feel that there's something special about Sato. Look, there's something special about every rescue, no question. Satos are 
they're they're hardy dogs, like we were saying before about mixed breeds. These are really robust, healthy, hardy dogs that have been through a lot of shit. And, and you know, I've never met anybody, and I know millions of them, who have adopted this side of it. It's not said that this is just the greatest dog I've ever had. So loyal, so smart, so healthy, so lovely. So and, um, yeah, man, it's just something that I feel good about, and I've continued to support for years and years. And as I've grown with them, they've grown with me. Uh, like I say, they, they sent me down last year to help actually rescue dogs. I'm going to be involved in their spayathons, oh, which wow. is what they're doing now. Their new initiative is – because obviously this program, this problem could just continue unabated, right? Unless yeah. you actually sort of start to get it where it – get it at the root, so to speak. Completely. So now the awareness – you know, if you're really trying to change the culture, well, don't just sweep up. It's like if someone's littering all over the lawn – you're not just going to go around and picking up their litter all the time, right? You're going yeah. to actually teach them that littering is. So it's that's their mission now. It's like in addition to these rescues, if they have five rescues a year, well, they have five spayathons a year where with all the donations, and they Got do it. bring in hundreds of thousands every year. They just have free clinics where you can walk in, and you should see the lines for these, for these spayathons. It's just tremendous hundreds and hundreds of people say, yeah, we could never afford to get our dog spayed or neutered, but now you're offering this free service, I'm going to do it. And so slowly but surely, the culture is being changed. So that's, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah, spay and neutering is so important. I think 2019 feels like a tipping point with rescue, and I feel like 2020 plus needs to be really the Bob Barker spay and neuter your pets. Like just go, kind of go yeah. back to that. Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't wrong, and it's something we've known for decades, and that message still, I think Drew Carey still has that message from time to time. He may not <laughs> say it at the end of every Price is Right, but yeah. I think he still gets the message out. Uh, but I, you know, it's like this. If you're going to have more dogs, then you have to have more spaying and neutering, period. In other words, if dogs are going to be a bigger part of our culture, then that part of it, the preventive part of it, or yeah. the... the the responsible part of it has got to be a bigger part of our culture. You can't have one without the other. So um, I think now, yeah, more than ever, because it used to be a quaint old message, right? Like yeah. your dog's fade and neutered. And we all said, oh, okay. It's the same as like, you know, eat your vegetables. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but now with so many dogs out there, 70 to 80 million, you know, you've got to, and they're not going anywhere. You've got to, and dogs are living longer. Yep. People are caring for their dogs, and, and, you know, they're much healthier than they used to be. Vet visits are now much more common. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's even more important that spaying and neutering become uh, not a choice, but just a must. Yeah. If, if you've got a dog and, you know, you're not planning to breed it, which I, unless you're a breeder, I'm not sure why you'd want to. I know people have their reasons, but, yeah. I think that that's the responsible, not forget, it's the necessary thing to do. Yeah, completely. And the dogs are healthier when they are spayed and neutered. So that yep. that is an important thing to know. But I am. It's one of my key trivia questions every week. Oh, sorry, I like cut you off, but I, I actually, it's funny. I, I have the same trivia question that I do every month <laughs> uh, just, just to get the message out, which is true or false. Dogs are less susceptible to cancer if they're spayed and neutered. And, and it's true. Yeah. They, they are. They, they are. They, yeah. So, yes. Your point. Awesome. So, do you want to talk a little bit about your trivia? We haven't even gotten to talk about it, but I feel like I could talk to no, you just, for I hours. Would, <laughs> I would just say that, um, it, I mean, unless you're, if you're ever in New York City every Thursday night, great dog cafe called, it's the only dog friendly cafe in New York City. It's called Boris and Horton. And uh, it's beer, wine, live events. It's a lot of fun, very cool, chill environment. But 
Thursday night, 7.30, Trivia Night, always goes to a fundraiser, to a different charity, animal charity, every week. We have different themes. Next week is the Golden Girls. And yes, it is Golden Girls slash dog trivia. It is never just, like if we do Harry Potter, it is not just Harry Potter. It will be Harry Potter animal themed. When we did Game of Thrones, it was Game of Thrones called Dire Wolves. So you can see there's a lot. It's like there's always an animal aspect to everything I do, and you'd be surprised. Um you know, like Sex in the City we did two weeks ago, and we were like, okay, well, this one, there's got to be no dog. Believe it or not, every one of those four women interacted and had dogs at some point in that series run. Oh, every totally. Every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and like, so there's tons of trivia. So it's not just a, yes, you know, we have, we have themes, but we're also always relating them to dogs. It's a lot of fun. We raise a lot of money. And I, and I would, I would encourage people, if you're in New York to do it, but also, uh, I'm working on getting this as a – it's funny. I don't say it out loud because it's still in the works, but I, I, it's, it's fine. To, it's good to say because um, it will motivate me. We're trying to get this so that people can tune in online on Thursday. Oh, Obviously, that would be incredible. York, so they can see the cute dogs. They can participate in a few questions, and they can hopefully, hopefully win some money. So we're working on it right now, and uh, it's in the works, a live version, a live interactive version of Dog Trivia is coming, let's say, by the, I would say, late fall of this year. So, oh, that's so great. That's that's incredible. I think it. Uh, <laughs> Boris and Horton looks like so much fun. The next time I'm in New York, I definitely want to go. But it, uh, your trivia nights always look so, so fun, and you have such a fun Instagram uh, handle Thank to follow. You. So I, I so appreciate it, and I so appreciate your time. This has been such a fun conversation. You too. You too, Laura. Thank you. And you are just Woof Republic, right? If I'm following you, because I just followed you the other day. Yeah, um, I'm that, Woof Republic, okay. and then the podcast is called The Woof Life Show. So they're separate, oh, okay. but the other one I'm just starting up. So The Woof Republic is like my more established. So not to confuse Got people, it. but yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll get them both. I'll get that in the podcast so I can follow along. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciated this, and thank you for all that you do. You're so fun to talk to. You too. Thank you for all you do and getting the word out and for all your support. Thank you, Laura. Perfect. Have a good rest of your day and a great weekend. You too. Great weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. How fun was that interview with Dan? I, I just found myself so entertained laughing, and it was so interesting to hear behind the scenes of Puppy Bowl. I've been such a fan, and obviously what is there to not love about Team Rough and Team Fluff and all of that? I, I literally think that it's so great what what they're doing to show a fun-loving and light-hearted face to rescue. I really, really totally believe in that. And I'm so thankful for what Dan is out there doing. I just, I really believe in the impact. And I think uh, I'd love to see more rescue advocates kind of taking that attitude. So I completely commend him. And I highly recommend that you follow Dan on social media. He's on Instagram at Dan Shashner. 
and you can find him. He calls himself the Puppy Bowl referee, so he makes it easy to follow, but he does so much for rescue pups, and we're so grateful for what he does, and he's just so entertaining and so funny. Uh, so thank you again, Dan, for joining the program. And that's it for this episode of the Wolf Life Show. As always, please give your dog a very big hug and kiss for us. And please make sure that you rate, subscribe, and share this podcast with your dog-loving friends. We've got some giveaways coming up that I'm really excited about and more to come on that. And we're also on social media at Wolf Republic and at the Wolf Life Show. Thanks again, and we'll, you'll be hearing from us soon.